On this episode of This Is Game Boy Light, SGDQ, I barely knew you. Gaming, and today we're going to be talking about Summer Games Dunquick 2019. Uh, before we dive too much into it, though, uh, just a recap on what I've been up to. Uh, I recently, well, recently as in before GDQ, uh, beat Assassin's Creed Bloodlines, which is the PSP version of the game, uh, and honestly, it is the worst Assassin's Creed game I've ever played. Um... I also beat Splinter Cell Blacklist, since Ubisoft won't give us another Splinter Cell. Uh, also replayed through What Remains of Edith Finch, Settled for the 1400th time, Serena, Firewood, and I uh, beat Layers of Fear 2, which I may have mentioned in a previous episode. Uh, so been a little busy, not so much with retro stuff, but uh, more so with just newer backlog games I'm trying to get through. Uh, on top of that... Prior or post-GDQ, Infinite Mystery got me into Venture Kid, which is very heavily influenced from Mega Man. So I've been playing that, running that, finding routes and optimizations through that. Um, Just speedrunning it. Uh, Outside of that, I've been doing a lot of art for Handheld Heroes since that is the weekend of the 13th. So from this recording, it is literally a week from today. Um... So there's a lot, of, a lot of just artwork, um, a lot of drawing and then importing my drawings into Photoshop and then colorizing them. And then, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. I spent two nights on a layout so far and I'm maybe two-thirds done. So getting there. We're getting there. Uh, really outside of that, trying to keep up with podcast stuff. Um, June was an exceptionally busy month for me um, between... Uh, between making sure I have my personal stream quota met, um, because I, I set a goal for myself every month to stream a certain amount, um, to making sure bills and adult stuff is, um, prepared or finished before I go on vacation for a week, uh, just making sure everything is, making sure everything is 100% no loose ends, no nothing. So it, I've been I've been exceptionally busy all of June. So that's why this episode is probably going to come out to you pretty late. Um, that's because I didn't have time to pre-record an episode before I left. Uh, so yeah, when I come back, we will dive into SGDQ 2019. So be prepared for that. Summer Games Done Quick 2019 started and ended as fast as the speed of light that felt like. Um, I was there for quote-unquote day zero, 
which is the day before GDQ. Uh, typically, that's when most people fly in, go in. Um, we had a, we had a bit of drama before that, though. Um, one of my one of my friends, CT Conquer, uh, was going to fly on Friday night. However, the plane that he was originally going to come in on had some air conditioning malfunction, so they had to delay the flight <clears throat> and eventually cancel the flight. So we didn't know any of this, and we kept communicating with each other throughout the entire night, and it was like. 3.30, 4 o'clock my time, which would have been like 5 o'clock his time, before we finally got like a definitive answer of, hey, we're not flying out anymore. We'll be flying out at like 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, okay. So I get, you know, so I went to bed and wake up and get everything ready, make sure all my stuff is packed and make sure whatever I'm taking, I'm taking is in a, is in my, my bag. And uh, I throw everything into the car and I'm like, like, I don't think I need to pick up CT from the airport because we never talked about it. We never talked about like what we were going to do if the plane got delayed to the morning because I live 20 minutes away from the FGDQ venue. I was like, ah, whatever. So I just, I just drove to the venue at like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And um, I pull into the hotel and I park in the north lot or whatever else, the, the biggest lot they have. And... Uh, come to find out like two days later that we have to move our cars to these really small lots on the side of the hotel without and without any like knowledge or communication at all from the hotel. The only reason we found out was because I'm assuming some person saw a sign somewhere along the way, talked to the hotel, the hotel said yes. So the issue was is that the north lot, which is the biggest parking lot for the hotel, was going to have some sort of convention in it that was not communicated to GDQ at all, uh, nor was it communicated to the attendees of GDQ. So, in a mad scramble, like a bunch of people had to move their cars from the north lot to the smaller side lots. And mind you, there's not much parking on the, on the side spots. Like, there's just enough, I feel. And so leading up to this, when I was told about it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, there's no signage. There's no nothing at all. So I went to go talk to the hotel manager because they were on duty. And I asked him, like, hey, like, I heard that we have to move our cars to one of the side lots. Is this true? And she's like, yep. And I'm like, have you, like, posted anything about this? She's like, there are signs outside at the ends of the parking lot. And I looked at her st just dumbfounded. I'm like, you understand that upstairs on the second floor, there are about 1,500 nerds who haven't seen sunlight in three days. Like, there are 1,500 nerds. Some of them have driven in from across the country to attend this event. And, like, I'm, like, did you even post, like, communicate, did you post, like, anything on the walls upstairs? Like, that way they can see it through passing? She's, like, no. And I'm, like, I'm, like, you should probably post something upstairs so people see it through passing. Because then if they come down and get mad at you, you can say, hey, I posted this upstairs. You should have read this. 
Otherwise, you're going to get 1,500 angry nerds coming at you. And mind you, like, when these nerds are angry, like, they don't understand social cues probably very well. So you're probably going to hear some things you've never heard of before. Plus, you have GDQ staff, which will probably come crashing down on you. Um, and she's like, well, if the cars aren't moved by, I forgot what day it was, they're getting towed. And mind you, it's all, it was a lot of cars. It was like 500 plus cars, mind you, in that parking lot still after I moved. Um, the Monday came around and nothing got towed. Oh, there's still some cars in the north lot. And I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. Um, I also tweeted out like, what, as soon as I found out about like, hey, like if you drove here, you need to, you need to get, get moving. Um, and then... Tuesday came around, and I hear this slip of paper get shoved underneath my door in my hotel room, and it was a super, super, super poorly drawn layout of their parking lot structure, and uh, basically it said, like, if you are in this lot, you need to move to this and this lot by Wednesday. If not, we will tow your car to that parking lot, and they'll probably obviously bill you for the towing. Um... And we all, like, every one of us thought that they were moving everyone out of the north lot to repave it. Because the because the parking lot, the north parking lot, is pretty rough shape. Uh, there's a lot of holes, a lot of patches already. Nope. I woke up Wednesday morning to Leonard Skinner blaring outside of my window. I'm on the 19th floor of the hotel and I could hear Winter Skinner as if it was in the next room. It was that loud. And I and I got up and opened my windows and looked, and there were at least five or six hundred Mustangs just in the parking lot where we got told where we got told or basically booted out of. And I was like, "What the hell? <laughs> like, excuse me? You just sh you just shoot like." 2,000 like gamers that are like paying a, probably more money than these Mustang people like out of like the biggest lot for some crappy Mustang convention <laughs> excuse me um, needless to say there were a clash of cultures um, <laughs> I, I recall many times hearing the Mustang uh, people who were I'm going to stereotype this, and I'm, I'm not sorry. Um, they were like, I don't know, 50 to 60, white male, definitely very much conservative. And <laughs> I remember hearing one of them, because we had, a, we had um, a couple guys that wore dresses, just either for funsies or whatever. Maybe they just wanted to wear a dress, I don't know. It was It was hot out. And I can recall one of the guys like saying like pretty rude things about about said person wearing a dress, and I'm like, oh, I'm like this, this is rough. And uh, and it was the reverse. Like we may, you know, we talked we talked smack about them as well too. Like it was just two very very different uh, communities and personalities in one area. It was uh, it was. Definitely a recipe for disaster, but luckily nothing really happened. Um, <laughs> so, 
that happened, a lot of people were really upset at the hotel about it because not only were they mad about that, but the hotel kind of treated us like second-rate citizens even before then. Um, on the second floor, there's uh, there's various water stations so you can pick up a, a cup, fill up your cup, drink, you know, to keep stay hydrated by it, basically. Um, I can recall probably 90% of the week that those water jugs did not have any cups next to them because the hotel staff wasn't upstairs restocking at all. A lot of the water jugs didn't have water in them. Like It was kind of disastrous. Uh, the hotel rooms were really hit or miss as well, I heard. My hotel room in particular had flashing light bulbs in the bathroom, which meant they were, they were about to burn out. And I told the lady downstairs, like, hey, like, my light bulbs in my bathroom are burning out. Like, one of them's actually burnt out. And she said that she would send maintenance up to fix it. That was day one. Uh, and I never had maintenance come up and fix my light bulbs. The caulking on the uh, faucet was off, too. So I actually had to hold the faucet in place to pull the shower knob up. Um, I know a friend's room, he had to work during the week a little bit. Because uh, that was the payoff he had to come to Minnesota and he needed an internet jack to, to work and his internet jacks didn't work. So he had to call down to the front office and they said, I will send maintenance up to get this fixed right away. And maintenance never, never showed up to get it fixed. So, uh, very, very hit or miss with the hotel rooms. It seemed like, um, but the Mustang convention, gold platters everywhere, man, they were, they were catered to quite well, the uh, the little bit that they were there. Um, we're starting with the bad stuff first, by the way. Uh, another bad thing happened where um, there was a small conflict in, in the uh, <clears throat> in the restaurant bar area of the hotel, which led to two GDQ attendees uh, getting removed from a premise. So that was. Interesting to say the least. <laughs> um, always have to have that GDQ drama somewhere. Uh, but the good thing is this is dive into some of the things that we'll talk about after this coming break. Um, the layout was a lot better this year, honestly. Uh, they moved the casual room and the practice room a lot closer together. However, the private practice room got pushed all the way at the end of the hallway right next to some instruments, which was a terrible location for it. Um, the arcade, we were apparently supposed to have a bigger arcade, but it did not seem bigger at all. It seemed about the same size. Uh, seemed like most of the games from last year came back this year too, which I already beaten, so I really didn't spend any time in the arcade. The stream room was fantastic. I loved the stream room a lot. The practice room was great. Uh, well, it was great some of the time. <laughs> um, and the food was fine. We didn't eat much of the hotel, but it was good. But uh, when we come back from this break here, I'll we'll dive into all the all the pros instead of the cons this time of SGDQ 2019. All the behind the scenes stuff that none of you really get to see unless you actually attend the event. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. 
Uh, so yeah, SGDQ Tour 19. We've already went over the, the the crappy parts of it, and honestly, the crappy parts weren't too terribly crappy. Uh, just really, just pure communication is what made a lot of it bad. Um, but the good parts of GDQ. So let's talk about the behind the scenes stuff of GDQ that people typically don't get to see. Um, I spent a decent amount of time in the pra- in what is called the practice room. Um, and basically the practice room is supposed to be for runners of the event where they sit down and practice their game, et cetera, et cetera. But basically it's just a room for people to speed run games and teach and learn. Uh, is basically what it's evolved into. And the room, the room is great. However, uh, there is definitely a focus change uh, coming for retro gaming at GDQs. Um, they, uh, World 9 Gaming, I believe, uh, is starting to tinker with what is called a retro tink. And what, that, what a retro tink is, is that it's a very small upscaler that allows you to use a computer monitor or an LCD to hook to play your retro games without uh, input lag and without just crazy ugly looking picture. Uh, they had a table full of uh, Acer monitors with these retro tanks uh, hooked up to them and you can definitely tell that it was a testing process and you can definitely tell that this is probably going to be the way of GDQ moving forward. Um, one issue with the retro tanks is not so much the functionality between them, but the security for them. So the retro tanks were just laying on the table, and the only thing connecting them was a USB-C uh, uh, cable for power and a HDMI cable to connect to, into the into the LCD. So you can kind of see where I'm getting getting at with this. The retro tanks would be exceptionally easy to just walk away with. Um, so I think what World 9 Gaming needs to do or whomever was in charge of the retro tanks need to, need to do or think about is figure out how to secure them to the monitor itself. Because um, I think if they don't if they don't secure these retro tanks, I think some people you know they're they're probably going to lose a couple or more per GDQ because people are just going to walk away with them, which is the unfortunate truth. But it is what it is. Um, but if they can find a way to secure them and make it not a hassle to hook into after after it says uh, secure, uh, they're, they're actually super cool. I played on one the entire week uh, via the Super Game Boy Two and Super Famicom. And they were it was it was nice. The resolution is a little weird for Game Boy. I will give it that. It's a li- it's a little stretched horizontally for Game Boy, but it's 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 noticeable. But it's not hindering if that makes any sense. Um, and then we had a bunch of CRTs. Obviously, the issue was that we overloaded the circuit in the practice room, and uh, we we took we took down the power a couple times in that room. So. Um, World 9 Gaming had to spread out its equipment and it actually like flooded into the hallway leading into the practice room. So there was a bunch of stuff out there as well too for people to to play on or practice on or whatever it, whatever it may be. Uh, outside of that, the practice room was fantastic. That's where I ran into Infinite Mystery, Gygus, True Shade, and Half Coordinated, all those guys um, the most. 
Um, I taught I taught a bunch of speedruns. I think I taught like seven or eight Game Boy speedruns. I taught um a, I taught Squidlet to a few people. Uh, Swordsman Kirby sat down next to me and we went through Roger Rabbit on Game Boy speedrun. We found a couple new little strategies there. Uh, in the process, like it was a lot of fun. Like that's what the practice room is really meant for: is sitting down, learning, or teaching, or you know, finding new things. Like just being together, like being in an actual community and having fun and playing games. And like it's you know, it's 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 heartwarming. Honestly, like when you walk in, you typically don't see anyone sitting by themselves. You you typically see one or two people sitting next to them. Talking about the game, asking about the game, or whatever it, whatever it is. Um, it, it's actually a very heartwarming feeling when you walk into the practice room. Uh, and World 9 Game is fantastic as well, too. Uh, they help bring in all the CRTs and extra consoles and whatnot. And uh, if, you have, if you are wanting mods for your console, they'll do it right then and there. If you need anything cleaned, they'll do it. Uh, if you need to rent a console or whatever, like they'll, they, you, you can do it. Like they're they're a fan, fantastic company and organization uh, that GDQ partnered with. So, props to that for sure. Um, so as you walk out of the practice room, uh, you can either go to the stream room, which we'll talk about later, or you can go into the casual casual room. Uh, the casual room basically just turns into a smash room uh, or a guitar hero room. That's where people just go in and play, really whatever. The casual room is mainly is is meant for people to go in and play whatever whatever they want, um, and kind of be however loud they want at the same time. Uh, but typically, casual room turns into the smash room or the guitar hero room, and I typically avoid those rooms because they're usually pretty smelly by the end of the week. Uh, and then in the next room, we had the arcade. So the arcade kind of bled out into the hallway as well, too. It's like this weird little atrium. And it was the same games as last year. Like, they had 1942, they had Battletoads, they had um, Gauntlet, and a few others outside. And then as you walked into the actual arcade room itself, it was a ton of rhythm games. Like, I... There's more rhythm games than there are actual any other types of games. And I I personally don't like rhythm arcade games outside of DDR. Um, Bishibashi is a really fun game, though. And they had that there again. Basically, Bishibashi is you have, like, these four colors in front of you. It's a four-player game. You have these four different color buttons. Uh, each person has four different color buttons. And you have to mash like crazy like whatever is on the screen like whatever it tells you on the screen you have to just mash and it's 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 insane it's loud it's sweaty it's a lot of fun uh they had a couple of new shooter games there i think they had time crisis there which uh very fun game if you've never played time crisis uh outside of that the arcade just seemed very boring it honestly it didn't seem like it had that much people in there this year either um last year the arcade was packed like, you couldn't move in the arcade last year. That's how many people there were. This year, it seemed like if you went, walked into the arcade room, like, you could just hop onto a game, no problem. Like, it just it didn't seem like the arcade had a lot of attention this year. Um, which is kind of kind of rare, because usually the arcade is usually the, the thing that gets the most attention. Um, so, as we move down the hallway, um, we have... I don't know why they did this, but they brought in like a digital keyboard or a digital drum set and keyboard 
where you can play music. The issue was is that, I don't know, 20 feet away is the private practice room. And the private practice room is a room where people go to practice their runs in absolute silence or get away from distractions. You know, maybe they're, they have a run in a couple hours or maybe they have a run, you know, later that day or in the morning or whatever it is. They go in there and practice what they need to do, you know, at, a, at an absolute pure focus. But they put this keyboard and drum set like 15, 20 feet away from the private practice room. So when people will go over there, bang on it and play on it, like you can hear it plain as day in the private practice room. It was awful placement. Um, so at the instruments, we hook around the corner to the right. And the first room there was the pinball room. And last year, we didn't have pinball at all. So um, it was a nice welcome back so to speak. So uh, I'm not a big fan of pinball games, but uh, I, I hopped in there. I think I played um, I played the Iron Maiden pinball game, and I played the Adams Family pinball game, I want to say it was. Um, but you can definitely tell some of the pinball boards were having some issues. Um, one of them, I hit the ball so hard with the flipper that it started bouncing on top of things. I don't know I don't know anything about pinball machines, but like it seemed like the glass was too high up from the actual board. So like when I when the so when I hit it, the ball got up in between the glass and one of those bumpers and it never came back down. So uh that happened. I don't know if that was intended by design. Well clearly not getting stuck, but I don't know if the glass base of high was intended by design or what. I honestly know nothing about pinball boards at all because I don't like pinball very much. But also in the room on the other side of it had these Mario Brother challenges. And I don't, I never, I didn't stick around or really investigate that all too much because I just don't like Mario. But it was like the quote unquote MAGFest challenges where you can go in and play in complete these challenges for Super Mario Brothers 1. I think they had Mario 64 in there once upon a time. Um, I don't know what the prize pool was, if there was any, or what the whole concept was behind it. Um, they weren't very busy, though. I, I, I think at any given time, I saw one or two people on those MAGFest Challenge computers. They, they And they had, I think, like 10. So uh, they weren't super popular, throughout the entire week, at least not when I was in there. Um, so as we exit, we keep going down the hallway. We now enter what is called the tournament room. And this room is huge for no reason whatsoever. Um, <laughs> uh, there's no reason to take up this much room for the tournament room. Uh, mainly because I, there's just no reason for it. Um, so in the tournament room... It's pretty much all LCDs and TN and CRTs. And this is where people, like, so pre-GDQs, a lot of people will make tournament and sign-up sheets and get them approved by GDQ. And that way, we can, that way there's designated time slots to have tournaments at GDQ. And so we're talking like Smash Ultimate, Brawl, Tekken, whatever, you know, it may be in the tournament room itself. Um, and then people go sign up and they go into their allotted, they go into the tournament room at their supposed time, compete, and whatever else. Tournament room can get real smelly real quick because there's a lot of the sweaty fighting nerds in that room. 
Um, also, towards the end of the week, that's where the NES block was. Um, so NES block, I don't know a ton about because this is my first year actually being included into it. Um, but NES, NES block, uh, from what I saw, is basically just a... It's not a... I don't want to call it a marathon, but it's a collection of NES people who didn't get into GDQ or their games didn't get into GDQ or no NES games and would like to showcase them at a future date. And uh, El Rock and Nils Rick were, were leading it up. And uh, I think it ran from like Friday night or uh, what? Saturday afternoon-ish to... No, no, no. Friday afternoon-ish to, like, s late Saturday morning. It was, like, I don't know. It was, like, 30 hours, I want to say. And, uh... I... I... Rock came up to me when I was getting coffee one day. And he was like, do you run any NES games? I'm like, I run a couple. <laughs> he's like, do you want... He's like, I'm gonna send you an invite to this NES block Discord. And he's like, if you would like, you can submit your games. And et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, alright, sure. So I submitted Caveman Games, and I submitted uh, Sesame Street, ABC, both games I have world record in. And it was fun. Like, I woke up at, like, 8 in the morning, did my runs for NES Block. They did a local recording of them, which uh, they'll later do, um, they'll rebroadcast the entire block onto Twitch. Um, I don't know what date, though, so... I have to keep keep an eye out on that because I do want to watch. There's a few runs I did I did want to watch, and obviously it'll go up on YouTube. So, um, so then we go, we leave the tournament room, and we go to the other side. And on the other side, we have the board game room, which again is a gigantic room, but it needs to be gigantic. You'd be surprised at how popular board games are at GDQ. Um, this year they did a little bit something a little bit different, so. To check out a board game in previous GDQs, you just walk over to the pile, grab it, and you start playing it. I'm going to assume that that had some um, issues, uh, as there are little pieces and whatnot, and people kind of swipe a game. But uh, so this year they had a checkout system where they weighed the game, and you know you wrote down, you, you did a whole checkout process to get a game out. Um, and I, I've never played, I've been in the board game room plenty of times, but I've never played a game in the board game room. And this year, this year I made it a goal to play at least one board game in the board game room. And um, Mr. Cab and I played Azul, which is a Portuguese mosaic tile uh, game, which was actually a really, really interesting game. And then uh, later we ended up playing uh, Spirit Island with Ellipsis. And that was a very, very interesting game as well, too. You basically uh, you basically detract intruders from invading your island, and you are um, you you're, you're, you're nature, basically. Like, I was like a fire phoenix. It's like, I was destruction. Mr. Cab was a tree, so he, like, supported the world. Uh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a really cool game. I actually might, uh, might buy the game. It was, it was that good. And then as we exit and go down the hall, a little, one more room. This was the, the quote unquote panel room. So at GDQ starting last year, I think it was last year at GDQ, they had something called panels 
where you can submit a panel, and this can be about any subject relating to the gaming industry, uh, particularly to retro and speedrunning. Um, so, like, for instance, um, Mo and I wanted to do a panel for this as Game Boy. We would submit to GDQ, and if accepted, we'd go sit up on top of stage with a table and talk to a crowd and do our normal podcast nonsense. Um, this year they had a couple that were kind of interesting. They had a ROM hack one, uh, and they had a how games are, are accepted committee or some, some, something along the lines of that. Uh, I, I don't typically sit on panels. I find them exceptionally boring. If I want to watch them, I'll scrub them on YouTube. And then the next room was the private practice room, um, which we've already discussed. So let's go back all the way to the streaming room. So the streaming room, obviously gigantic, right? Obviously this this huge room because it it needs to be huge. Um, Same layout as last year. However, they took better measures for consoles and actually let the runners put their consoles on a table instead of on the bouncy, bouncy stage floor. Um... (laughs) Because if because a lot a lot of people don't know it a, a lot of viewers don't know it uh, from from like Twitch or whatever they can't see that like the the stage is really really bouncy um, so having have having had ran uh, two times at GDQ and have commentated I've been on that stage a handful of times and when you walk on the stage you can you can feel every single step on the stage like every single step will make you bounce just a little bit even if you're sitting so when you put a console onto the stage floor and you stomp your feet that console gets like three inches of air off of the stage and lands back down which causes a lot of issues um so this year they got smart and they put a uh uh, they, they either put a table or they add or they added room to the table in front of the runner to add, to put their consoles there, so that was that was good. That was good. Finally, we got an improvement on that side of things. Um, outside of that, I really wish GDQ would look into partnering with a with a chair company, whether it be DX Racer or Maxnomic or someone. Uh, because like I feel for the runners, especially the runners that have like six hour runs like Puexel did for Chrono Trigger. Um, the chair that you sit in is not comfortable at all. Um, I, I sat in those chairs because we had the same chairs out in the crowd. I sat in that chair for all of Mega Man Block, Octopath, um, half of Chrono Trigger... Turtles and Super Mario Brothers two the the first day like I sat in those chairs oh and all of uh, Resident Evil two I sat in those chairs quite a bit and they hurt after after like forty five minutes to an hour those chairs really start to like hurt because there's not a ton of cushion there there's not a lot of give uh, it's just they're they're not meant to be sat in for that long I feel like. Um, so I feel for the runners that are up there for really long runs. So it would be it would be fantastic to see GDQ partner with with a chair company just for the runner seat. That's that's it. Um, the couch is fine. The only issue with the couch is that it it 
it's too soft, so you sink into the couch. That's the only problem with the couch. Um, and then you have registration. So in the main hallway, right outside the stream room is where registration was. <clears throat> and this year, for the first time, I believe, the Yeti was actually physically there. And you could buy merchandise from the Yeti. So you can buy um, the attendee shirt. You can buy um, pins and pendants and posters from previous GDQs. Uh, it was actually pretty cool to have that set up there and whatnot. Uh, and then registration was actually honestly easy peasy. Like it was no mad rush at all. And apparently we were partnered with Red Bull. That was unexpected. And I laughed at the person that handed me one. So when I went to go get registered, she, the, the person behind the desk asked me, she's like, hey, do you want a Red Bull? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like I didn't know we were partnered by Red Bull. I was like, uh, sure. So I, she, she leans over and, and like she had, there was like this just huge, huge crate of Red Bull and she just reached out and grabbed one and gave me one. I was like, oh, and then I, and then as soon as I turned around, there were three girls, um, with a Red Bull shirt on and they had this Red Bull, sh uh, can shape cooler on their back. Like they had a backpack, uh, with a Red Bull cooler and they were handing out red. They were handing out Red Bulls to people as they were walking around the hallways. I was just like, "What is happening at GDQ right now?" I was so confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I. It was. It was. It was a. It was a spectacle. That's for sure. <laughs> um. So we're gonna take one more break here. Uh, when I come back, we will do. I want to share some uh, some stories, my favorite runs, my favorite part of GDQ, and when we will do the closeout. Stay tuned. everybody so like i was talking about earlier the red bull people so um when i when i went to gdq i went i went pre-shopping like i went to target and got some stuff beforehand uh just to just to solidify that need to go shopping later and i had 10 cans of monster in my <laughs> in my room and I, I drank one every morning before GDQ. That was my, my quick wake up to go get coffee, basically. So I took a monster, and I didn't open this one for some reason. This was on, like, a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I ran into one of the Red Red Bull ladies. And uh, she looked down, and she saw that I had a monster on my hand. And she goes, you know, Red Bull is better than monster. I'm like, you're right. You should give me a Red Bull. So she gave me a Red Bull and I put my monster into my bags to save for later. <laughs> I was like, thank you. So that was my quick jolt for the morning. Then I saved my monster for, I think, night. Because I, I don't think there was a night during GDQ that I went to bed before 3 or 4 a.m. Um, 
my my favorite part of GDQ. I have two favorite things I liked about GDQ. One of them was playing uh, cards with Unikitten, uh, Link Dead, and Mr. Cab. Um, we we took one afternoon, basically. I forgot what afternoon it was. Thursday, maybe. And uh, we just uh, the four of us hung out, ordered pizza, uh, drank soda, whatever it was, and played spade. We we played spades literally all afternoon. It was so relaxing to get away from the chaos that is GDQ. Um, it was quiet. Like it was just it was perfect. Like it was exactly what you need like midweek. Um, and it was good company. Like I, I love all three of those people very much. They're they're very good friends. And then uh, the second one was watching watching uh, blind races between Gygus and Infinite Mystery. Uh, I watched a lot of Hello Kitty Roller Rescue. I watched a decent amount of Wario Land or whatever it is on the GameCube. Some Sonic Mania, not a ton, but that was. Like they they were the overnight crew basically, so they were going into the practice room basically as I was leaving the practice room to go sleep. But every once in a while, like I would I would stay up, I'd force myself to stay up, and I would watch uh, some of their blind races, and <laughs> they were they they chose some games that's for sure. <laughs> um, outside of that, like all of GDQ was fine. It was fun. Uh, Definitely have my complaints. Definitely have my excitements about it. Uh, I enjoyed eating coffee and bagels every single morning. It was fantastic just having to walk across the parking lot to go do so. Um, Ellipsis and I went to this place called Big Bowl, which is a Vietnamese and Thai restaurant, and it was oh, it was so good. It was amazing. Uh, didn't help that I was like the first real food I had the entire week as well too. Since I've been, I like lived on like the rodeo burger at Burger King, chicken and waffles at Dairy Queen, and bagels and coffee. Like that's all I lived on for like the week. So real food tasted really good. Um, my favorite run of the entire marathon was Octopath. I Octopath speedruns. I don't I don't know what it is about them. But they really, really, really pull me in. I don't know if it's because, like, because you have eight characters in Octopath. And there's a category where you can just do one of each of the eight characters. And I think it's just, like, the eight characters have such a unique path to the game. That every every category is just slightly different enough to keep you appealed. Um, so, like, this year they did Therian, which is the thief. And... I don't know what it is. Like, I won't. I wouldn't. I won't say that Altabiscuit was a terrible commentator. He was. He was quite good, and he's a good runner. But like, I can actually. I can watch an Octopath speed run without any commentary at all, and still be very drawn to that speed run. Um, I don't know what it is about the game or what it is about the speed run that pulls me in so much. But I absolutely love Octopath speed runs. Um, the second, my, my second favorite run was Resident Evil 2 by uh, Bach. That was a very, and that was a, that was a fun run to watch. You know, it may not have been the greatest run in the world, better than what I would ever do. It may not have been the greatest run in the world, but it was very entertaining to watch. Um, 
and to see everything unfold, that's for sure. And Silent Hill wasn't bad either. Um, favorite place to eat was Big was Big Bowl at the end because <laughs> I had, didn't have real food. But typically, I only eat at Coffee and Bagels. Um, Taco Libre. So I'm I'm fifty fifty with Taco Libre now. So Taco Libre is like a, if you ever heard of Rusty Taco, it's it's kind of like that. It's a uh, much much better version of Taco Bell. Um, and last year, every time that we ate at Taco Libre, I got really sick. So this year we're like, hey, let's go to Taco Libre. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, here we go. So I went there and I ate a Taco Libre twice and did not get sick at all. So we're 50-50 on Taco Libre right now. Um, and outside of that, like Burger King was like my go-to. If I needed, if I wanted something very quick to eat, like eat it within 10-15 minutes, but also wanted to eat by myself, I went to Burger King. Um, you you. You would think like, oh, you're going to GDQ, you want to be with your friends. There are times where you need to recharge. And let me tell you one, when you hang around X amount of gamers for X amount of hours, your battery drains pretty quick and you do not want to really socialize much at all. Um, so that's that was my time to charge, basically, was to go to Burger King and eat alone. And it was like, that was my time. Um... <laughs> it was honestly just glorious. <laughs> um, what else was there? Eat a lot of pizza, Luce. Mr. Cab, I think, ordered it every single day. Uh, I think I had it twice. But again, pe- pizza is one of those foods where I, I eat. I can I I can only eat maybe once a week or once every two weeks. Like I get really tired of pizza. Uh, but food options aren't super plentiful, at least within walking distance of the hotel. Um, you have to drive like 10, 10 or 15 minutes to get to like actual like real food restaurants. Um, but I have my car there, so it wasn't too big of a deal, but a little bit of a hassle because Minnesota is just always construction all the time. So ah, with that, uh, SGDQ 2019 was great. We hit $3 million to most most we've ever made at GDQ, big success, a lot of fun. Um, I'll submit again next year because it's going to be at the same place again next year. Uh, so hopefully I can get a run in next year. Uh, I did submit this year, but I didn't get any runs in at all. So next year I'll probably submit uh, Squidlet again, of course, because that game is adorable. Uh, maybe I'll submit Roger Rabbit Game Boy. Maybe I'll submit Venture Kid Good Ending, which is a nightmare of a speedrun. Uh, the heart, one of the, the second hardest speedrun I've ever done. Um, and maybe I'll get good enough to learn Octopath, and I'll submit an Octopath run. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm looking forward to it, though. I, I I am looking forward to it. I'm also I'm also contemplating going to Calithon next year as well, too. So if you're a California native or someone that goes to Califon but not SGDQ, um, it would be cool to catch up with you and tr- talk with you. Maybe go get coffee because that's pretty much where I live on at Marathon. So, um, with with without further ado, um, I am Belthick Gaming. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Belthick. You can find me on Twitter or Belthick Gaming. Sorry, you can find me on Twitter 
at Belton Gaming. YouTube still doesn't have a link because I need to upload to YouTube in order to get a link. Uh, Instagram is Belton Gaming. I've actually been uploading things to Instagram lately, mostly my drawings, but you should definitely check out the Instagram now that I'm uploading stuff. Uh, you can find my my wonderful co-host Moolah uh, at Moolah on Twitch, uh, Twitter, YouTube. I don't think he has an Instagram. I don't think he believes in social media outside of Twitter. And then our beautiful producer, Sprinty Legs. You can find her at Sprinty Legs on Twitch, uh, Twitter, and Legs on YouTube. Also, you can find all of that information on gbrunners.com slash TIGB. And also there you will find a link to our Discord. Please join our Discord. It's a pretty quiet Discord to begin with, so you're not going to get spammed. We do enjoy to have a good conversation once in a while. Uh, we're all friends there. We don't, we're all friendly. We all interact. Uh, there you also see a link to a Patreon. If you would like to be a patron to us, um, please do. Uh, once we hit a monthly goal of $20, I believe it is, we are going to start live streaming our podcasts, uh, so and then uploading them to YouTube. It's gonna be gonna be lit if we can hit that. Um, and you also get some special stuff in Discord along the process. Uh, really, that's about it going on. I don't know what our next episode is, so that's <laughs> how much I've been out of the loop because of GDQ uh, I don't know what our next episode is I don't know if it's Last Action Hero or or what we'll just say until next time thank you for listening The Pleasure Dome.